Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman of Behind the Steel Curtain, and I am here with another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast, and it's here. It's right. We did it. We watched. They did it. The Steelers Victory Monday. And no, this isn't a fake Victory Monday. What I'm talking about is an actual victory. Not last week, or when the Steelers didn't even play, we said, okay, they didn't lose, so we're going to celebrate. No, not that. What we saw was a really, really good victory for the Steelers at home, Akershore Stadium, 20-10 to over the New Orleans Saints. We got some news to talk about. I've got a lot of thoughts and opinions on this game before we get to the winners and losers in the second half of this show. A lot of winners, not a lot of losers, but there are some losers. Keep that in mind. All right, let's start with an injury update. Good news is that the Steelers don't have a lot of injuries coming out of this game. Uh, Kenny Pickett does have an ankle, but it it wasn't even significant enough that Mike Tomlin mentioned any injuries at the top of his post-game press conference. That is something that usually happens. Usually, Mike Tomlin will say, okay, we have some injuries, here's a couple things that happened. Didn't get any of that. So that's a a good sign for me, right off the bat. So Kenny Pickett's ankle, uh, he was was asked about it in his post-game press conference. He said it's fine. Once he rests it, ice, he'll be fine. And he was able to finish the game. Didn't miss a snap. Went into the blue tent, they taped it up, came back, he went back onto the field, never left the game. That's good. Other than that, there were no really in-game injuries. Now, Mike Tomlin, though, because a lot of people on Twitter kept hitting me up and saying, Jeff, where is Miles Jack? I mean, we were watching Robert Spillane get abused in coverage repeatedly. Repeatedly. Just on all it was it was like it was never stop it was never ending. Just this ongoing barrage of Robert Splane getting abused uh, by tight ends. And uh, look, it's who he is. It's, it's what the Steelers are cho- chosen to do. They've, they've, laid, they've made their bed. They're going to lay in it. And I said, look, he, he's active for the game. I don't know where he is. Talking about Miles Jack. So Mike Tomlin was asked about why he didn't play. And, and he said that they came into the game, the Steelers, that is. They came into the game thinking, okay, we are going to manage his snap counts. We're going to take a take a look and see, take a wait-and-see type approach. Well, what he said is the game progressed. The Steelers got off the field with regularity. They liked who they had out on the field. So what did they do? They just, they just held him out. And so hopefully, fingers crossed, this gives Miles Jack a little bit more time for his need to recover. It's clearly an injury. He didn't practice until Friday. Uh, officially, he didn't have a game status, but still sounded like he could have played if they needed him. Mike Tomlin and his coaching staff said that they didn't think they did need him. They win the game. Hopefully against Cincinnati, Miles Jack is a little bit healthier and ready to go. Uh, other than that, no real injuries. Kevin Dotson did kind of, he, he t- spoke with media after the game and said that his injury, which was labeled as an abdomen or an abdominal injury, is is kind of like an abdominal groin. Sounds a lot like a sports hernia, in my opinion. Uh, when you hear about players that have sports hernias, uh, it can be that lower abdominal region a lot of times they require surgery, so if his is not that type of uh, injury, that's a good thing. But ultimately, I look at this and say uh, that the Steelers, you know, they got DeMonte KZ back. He had an interception. We'll talk about him in the second half of the show. They got TJ Watt back. Uh, you know, all these players that came back, uh, it was a situation where they didn't have any setbacks, and that's almost as important as having a clean 
slate of injuries, but the Steelers, they avoid the injury bug. You hope Kenny Pickett's ankle is not significant, meaning that he is not going to be hampered in the prep leading up, that he's going to be able to take all the snaps. He needs all the snaps he can get, and it's not going to hurt his mobility next week. That's going to be really important. So there you have that. That's the first bit of news. Second bit of news, in case you didn't notice the article that I wrote for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, not only did the Steelers win, but they win again. What are you talking about, Jeff? They win again. They only played once. but the, No, they win again because the Chicago Bears lose. The Detroit Lions stun the Chicago Bears, and the Bears lose. And like I said last week, after the trade with Chase Claypool to the Chicago Bears for their second-round pick, we should be, as fans, rooting against whoever plays the Chicago Bears. So we were all Detroit Lions fans this week, and even though Justin Fields went off the Steelers win because the Bears lose. So taking a look at the draft order right now, the Chicago Bears have the sixth overall draft pick. The Steelers have the ninth. Now, I'm recording this before all the games in the week are done, so that could change a little bit. But ultimately, gives you an idea that both teams right now possess top 10 draft picks, and that Chicago pick in the second round is looking really, really good. So that's good news, both on the injury front and with the Chicago Bears losing. All right, so now it's time to talk about this game. 20-10 to 10 win. In my opinion, this was a as complete a win as this team has had this season. And when you think about the wins the Steelers had, week one, on the road, against Cincinnati, everyone calls it a fluke. Everyone says they were lucky, whether it was because of the the long snapper being hurt, the missed field goals, the, field, you know, the going to overtime, whatever. They call it a fluke, sure. No one would say that was a complete win. And then against Tampa Bay, they they find a way to win. It was ugly. You know, Kenny Pickett goes down. Mitch Trubisky comes in, has a fantastic fourth quarter, and they find a way to win. I would say that this was the most complete win the team has had this season. And they haven't had many wins this season. I just rattled them off for you right there. Only three. But just take a look at some of these very basic numbers that I find so telling in terms of the numbers themselves and then also what happened in the game. So let me explain. Passing attempts, okay? Kenny Pickett passing attempts, 30. 30 attempts. All right, let's keep that in mind. Running the ball, how many rush attempts did they have? 43. 43 to 30 run to pass ratio. Passing yards, 199. Rushing yards, 217. That, folks, is what you want to see when you have a rookie quarterback. Let's continue. The defense was fantastic. I thought they were great. They were great. DeMonte KZ, TJ Watt, they both get back into the lineup. And after the game, DeMonte KZ was asked, what's it like playing with TJ Watt? He said, this was the first game I've ever played with him. It was awesome. He said, did you see that crowd when they, when they called his name, when they introduced him? He said, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, that's incredible. Then you talk about the takeaways. KZ comes up with an interception. Levi Wallace with a phenomenal interception. They, the defense, made timely plays in this game. Game, The plays like Robert Spillane on the fourth and one that he gets around the edge, reads the play, good recognition. I'm going to give him props here because I just I cut him down with coverage because I know that's his weak link, but I still, good job by Robert Spillane stopping Andy Dalton. Think about Arthur Millette with that pass breakup down the sideline to Chris Olave. Think about what that meant for the game. That gets him off the field. They made timely plays. Plays that were made that didn't necessarily equate in points. They weren't necessarily takeaways, but were very, very weighty plays. As Mike Tom loves to say, those weighty plays, they made those plays. 
But I got to be completely honest with you here, folks. After the game, I was excited. You know, I was excited. I, I was watching the game with my my kids are here. My kids were also sitting around watching the game with me, and they're they're learning more about the game. And I, I was like, hey, that that did it. You know, the Steelers they iced out the clock. I said, like, this is great. I'm I'm writing the article. The article is easy to write because I've I'm able to plug stuff in already. And when was the last time we had that happen? And so I'm thinking, okay, fans are going to be happy. You know, fans are going to be happy. They, the Steelers win. They're moving. They, they're going to Cincinnati. They have Cincinnati next week at home. It was a win. The Chicago Bears lose. That's another reason to be be happy. No. There's a lot of fans that are not happy. I was shocked at the fan response, if I'm, honest, if I'm being honest. There are people nitpicking like crazy. Did Kenny Pickett have a perfect game? No. No, he didn't. People were nitpicking like crazy. Did uh, did Najee Harris do everything perfectly? No, he didn't. Nitpicking like crazy. The defense. Oh, people are complaining about Levi Wallace. Uh, not he didn't really didn't seem like he played well outside of the interception. Come on, come on, people. Like I get it. I understand. People love to cry about the logistics of things. Oh, Kenny Pickett did great, but or the Steelers' offense looked better, but and they always want to throw in that. Well, there's this, or well, there's that. Well, t- today, or Sunday, it was good enough for a win. Matt Canada can't call plays, but they were they they didn't make enough plays to win. And then sometimes, you know, you score this they score twenty points. The Steelers put up twenty points, and it probably I would say that I don't think it's unfair to say it should have been twenty six. Matthew Wright missed two makeable field goals. It's not like he was out there trying to make a fifty nine yarder. Okay, his career long, by the way. He's not out there. He was making kicks inside of 50 yards. One was inside of 40, and he missed two. So it should have been 26 points. Would have been a high, uh, uh, the, the highest point total for the team this season. Still, they end up with 20. And they build the back Canada, uh, this, this guy stinks, whatever. I don't understand it. The, I know the fans want perfection. This team is three and six after this win. They are far from perfect. And I don't know if there's a perfect team in the NFL right now. There's some really good teams. Steelers are not one of them. But there's no perfect team. There's no team that fans sit there and say, I cannot believe it. But you know what? This team has, this front office and this coaching staff has put together the perfect football team. Can you believe it? We get to sit here every week and watch the perfect football team. How lucky are we? No one says that. No one says that. There is no perfect team. And for one week, the Steelers do enough to win in a fashion that you would think most fans would be very, very happy about. The rookie quarterback makes enough plays, not a lot, but enough, the running game looks great. The defense was stifling, and people are still whining and complaining. Maybe that's just what we have to work with from me looking and reading the fan base. Now, not all of you are like that. I think a lot of you that follow the, my podcast every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, a part of the Ride or Die crew, you're like me. You're an optimist. You're sitting there thinking, you know what? That was a great win. It was enjoyable. It was fun to watch. I'm glad they won. And then you get the draft junkies that say they should just tank and get a top. Stop it. Stop it. Let's go a step further here. This has nothing to do with the fan response. My my question that I asked on Friday's show, where's the potential for this team? Where did the, What did they do well? The answer was nothing. 
And I said, okay, so if you're going to have to build this thing from scratch, if you're going to have to start it over, all right, we are at the, the concrete basement floor. Let's build something. Did they potentially do that in this game, at least starting? Did they get the ground floor established offensively and defensively? Is the running game the answer? The running game that put up 217 yards? I mean, now I know that the the New Orleans Saints rush defense was worse than the Steelers, actually, statistically. So we're not talking about the Buffalo Bills run defense or some of the best run defenses in the NFL. But still, still, they put up 217 yards rushing. They had four runs of over 20 yards. Is this the success, the recipe for success that the Steelers fan base has been looking for? I mean, let's be honest. Even with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback when they started the training camp and went throughout the preseason, we all said the same thing when it came to what was what could success, the recipe for success, the equation for success look like for the Steelers team. What would it look like? Like what could it look like? We all said the same thing: run the football, play good defense. And up until this game, they hadn't done that. They had not done it. They were unable to do it. But the offensive line did great. Running backs did great. We're going to talk about them in the second half. And I thought Kenny Pickett played well enough to win the football game. And in a game where if you're not playing well enough, the one thing you can't do is don't kill him. Don't don't make that critical mistake, and he didn't do that. Talk about Kenny Pickett in the second half, too. But on the offensive side of running the ball is the answer. What about the defense? The defense, is it stopping the run? The defense held the Saints to 29 yards rushing. I will say that again. With Taysom Hill, Andy Dalton, who is still capable of running the football, and Alvin Kamara. Now, they didn't have Mark Ingram, but still, they held the Saints to 29 yards rushing. And this is not a game, kind of like Week 5 in Buffalo, where Pittsburgh was so far behind so early, they felt like they had to throw their way back into the game. This was not that. Don't confuse it. This was not that. This was a Steelers defense that shut down the run, and they were opportunistic on the back end. And that was without probably their most opportunistic defender when it comes to in the back half of the the defense, Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, my gosh, I didn't even mention the fact that Minka Fitzpatrick didn't play because of an appendectomy. He came into the, uh, I guess he came into the facility on Saturday, wasn't feeling well, met with the doctors. They probably said, well, you don't, you're showing symptoms that something's going on, go to the hospital, had to have his appendix removed. He's going to be out for a couple weeks. He's going to be out for a couple weeks. So even though the, even though what they didn't have Minka, very opportunistic. To me, this game, I'm not going to take it for more than what it is at face value, and that is a step in the right direction. It was a step in the right direction for Kenny Pickett. It was a step in the right direction for the running game. It was a step in the right direction for the offensive line. It was a step in the right direction for Matt Canada. It honest to goodness was. You could have written this guy off after week three. That's fine, but he's going to be the coordinator for the rest of the season. This was a step in the right direction. Defensively, huge step in the right direction. Getting TJ Watt back is a huge step in the right direction, but still taking the ball away, tackling well, good pass defense. This game in and of itself was a step in the right direction, but don't overthink this. Look, it's a win. The Steelers have to do it again. 
you enjoy this because it doesn't hasn't happened much this season. They got to do it again. If they could somehow find a way to beat Cincinnati next week, now Cincinnati's coming off their bye week. They should be healthy. They're going to be motivated to get some revenge after that week one loss in Cincinnati. That's going to be a tough game. But ultimately, if they could keep this thing rolling, I'm sure some more people would be believing. And I don't know why you would need to be convinced of this team at least taking a step in the right direction, but a lot of you do. So ultimately, I look at this this game. Did they find their success recipe? And is this is this a step in the right direction? It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Fans should be happy. Fans should be willing to say, you know what? It wasn't pretty at times. There's a lot that can be improved upon. But when you say those things and it's still a win, that's what that what means. That's what means the most. That's what means the most. All right. When we come back after this break, we are going to have winners and losers, a whopping 12 winners and three losers coming up right after this break. Stay tuned. Be right back. Steeler fans, it is Monday. It is the post-game podcast. It is a special edition of Winners and Losers. It's not special because we do this every week. It's special because the Steelers win. It's special because for the first time this season, we've had 12 winners. I have waited for a long time to have one of these doing this article that I write every week, the column, doing this you know, podcast, this section of the podcast, segment of the podcast, whatever you want to call it, where we have a lot of winners and not a lot of losers. This is refreshing for me. It should be refreshing for you as a listener to once for in a long time, the first time in a long time say, I'm kind of anxious to see who Jeff thought were winners and not just who he had as the losers. Now you might think about, oh, he has three losers after this win. Who are the losers? Well, we'll talk about it. Let's get things started with the winners list as we always do. I have the running backs. Okay. The running backs. I kind of cheaped out on this one. So the running backs, here's the stat lines for Najee Harris. He had 20 carries, 99 yards, a five-yard average, 36-yard long. He did have one target in the passing game. It was a really, it would have been a tough catch, a difficult catch for a running back to make. But Kenny Pickett put it in a good spot, and it went right through his hands. He didn't bring it down. Would have been a phenomenal play. Still, Najee Harris had a great day. Like I said, 20 carries, 99 yards. Jalen Warren, nine carries, 37 yards on the ground, 4.1-yard average, a 21-yard long. But then he also had three receptions for 43 yards. So it's a situation where when you look at these two running backs, I want to make it very clear. I had someone on Twitter say to me, hey, Jeff, you know, what do you think about this running back by committee? Do you think that Mike Tomlin's going to buy in? I, I said, look, when, when I say running back by committee, understand that this could have a bunch of different looks to it. Running back by committee for the Steelers could be Najee Harris is your primary running back. But they're going to get the ball into Jalen Warren's hands in multiple ways. And that could be a good thing. It really could be a good thing. They're going to spell each other. They're going to be used in specific ways. Jalen Warren is, he's like a little water bug. He's fun to watch. But Najee Harris showed why he is that team's 
go-to back. I love that he had a really good blitz pickup on a, on a pass by Kenny Pickett, that he's improving in that area of his game. He looked more decisive. He, to me, has proven that if he's given the hole, he can still make the play. Great job by the Steelers running backs. They are winners. I could have had them listed individually, chose to lump them together. The next winner is Alex Highsmith. He finishes the game with five tackles, three solo, two sacks, one pass defense, one tackle for loss, and a forced fumble as part of a sack fumble. Great game by Alex Highsmith. This is what you would expect to see from Highsmith once TJ Watt returns. We have seen Alex Highsmith slowly progress like we've seen him get better 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 a little bit better every single game and even without tj watt we've seen progress and the one thing we haven't seen is we haven't seen him finally like do it when tj watt is there and do it with any type of regularity well so far in the two games they've played where tj watt has been in the lineup alex highsmith has five sacks he had three in the week one game he had two against the saints on sunday That is awesome. If Alex Highsmith can benefit this much from TJ Watt being back, it just is going to make the defense that much better if Watt can stay in the lineup. Alex Highsmith is a winner. Next winner, and I'm going to, I know I'm going to catch hell from a lot of people that are on the other side of the fence here with this one player, but I have Kenny Pickett on the winner's list. And here is his stat line 18 to 30, 199 yards, a 6.6 average. I know that's low. He didn't throw a touchdown. He also didn't throw an interception. He was sacked six times for 37 yards, and I will tell you right now that not all those sacks are on the offensive line. A lot of them are on picket. He finished with a 79.7 rating. Rushing the ball, he had eight carries for 51 yards. Okay, 51 yards. That's the highest point. That's the highest rushing total for a Steelers quarterback since 2010. So you look at the Kenny Pickett stat line, it just looks kind of mundane. He did have a rushing touchdown. I forgot to add that, too. He finished with one rushing touchdown. So he's scoring touchdowns. He's putting points on the board. It's just not what people want to see. There's a lot of reasons why I have Kenny Pickett on the winner's list. I talked at length last week about how I felt personally that for the future of of the franchise, if, and I say if on purpose, if Kenny Pickett is that guy, if he is the future of the franchise, You need that guy to see success. And it doesn't have to always be him throwing for 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, something like that. A stat line like that would be fantastic. But it doesn't always have to look like that. It could look like not turning the ball over and taking what they're giving you. So if they're dropping their safeties deep, they're making the windows really small, and he has a running lane, take advantage of it. And he did that. 51 yards. I also said I wanted Kenny Pickett to finally be able to get on an NFL field, take the final snap in a victory formation, kneel it out, and be able to say, finally. Because, yes, he has a win to his name, but that was Mitch Trubisky that got the job done against Tampa Bay. He got the job done. Like I said at the beginning of the show, it's it's a step in the right direction. Was Kenny Pickett perfect? Far from it. Was this a big step for Kenny Pickett? Absolutely. To be able to make enough plays to win the game, to not think back to week four when he came in and he was making plays, but then he made the critical mistakes at the worst times. He didn't do that. He did not do that. He's learning. You can see improvement. Some will disagree with me, and that's fine. You can disagree with me. I'm not going to be upset, but I've got Kenny Pickett on the winner's list. The next winner, Demonte KZ, finishes four tackles, 
three solo, one pass defense, one interception. And I got to be honest with you, he got penalized 15 yards, and that's not good. But I'll tell you what, that hit on Chris Olave on the sideline, which was flagged 15 yards, and I believe that turned into the touchdown at the end of the first half uh, for the New Orleans Saints. That hit, it sets a tone. It sets a tone. It sends a message to the rest of your Steelers defense, your teammates. It sets the tone for the, the receivers on the Saints saying, I need to think twice about what I'm about to do here because you got to make a business decision. Now, thankfully, Chris Olave was not injured. He finished the game. He was fine. Never even, I don't think he got checked for a concussion. It was a penalty. By the letter of the law, it was a penalty. But that hit in and of itself, I think that sent a message. It sent a message to the Steelers. It sent a message to the Saints. It was a good play. And I, you know what? I, I guarantee if you ask Mike Tomlin off the record, would you take that penalty over and over again? He'd say absolutely. But he hits that interception. It was good to see him back in the lineup. Now, after watching that, I, I, I am itching to see Minka Fitzpatrick in the, in the lineup too. I would love nothing more than to see what this team, what this defense could do with Fitzpatrick, Edmonds, and KZ all out there. I'm excited for it, but thankfully he is coming back because now you have that veteran presence in the back end. You don't have to rely on someone like Trey Norwood. The next winner, the big play offense. Holy cow, the Steelers had six total explosive plays. I talked about the four runs of 20-plus yards. They were fantastic. But you also had big plays down the field, one to Deontay Johnson, which was a much-needed play. It was a catch down the sideline. They had Those two, and I'm talking about Kenny Pickett to Deontay Johnson, have just not been able to get on the same page. And you could see frustration was building. That was a good play. I was happy to see those two connect finally. But this offense showed something that I said, where's the big play element of the offense? Where can they break? I never, I never, and I say never on purpose. I never would have guessed that the big play factor of the offense would come from the running game. Yet here we are. The explosive play aspect of this is a winner. The Steelers were not, they didn't have to just matriculate their way down the field. They were able to actually get some chunks. That's what this team needs to do moving forward. Next winner, George Pickens. Three catches, 32 yards, a 10.7-yard average. He did not have a receiving touchdown, had a 14-yard long catch on four targets. So three catches on four targets. He had two rushes for 23 yards and a rushing touchdown. This was interesting for me. I wanted to see what the Steelers were going to do without Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool did certain things that Steelers like to do. They like to use him in a certain way. And one of the ways, what did they do to, to fill that void? They used big George Pickens. It was Pickens going in motion a lot. It was Pickens sometimes in the slot. He was the one that got that jet sweep handoff and plunged into the end zone for the touchdown. He went over the middle, showing a little bit more of a route tree. He looked the part. He looked the part. Now, he only got four targets in the passing game, and he caught three of them. But still, it's it's it, again, I keep on, I sound like a broken record. It looked like it was a step in the right direction. It looked like the Steelers had a solid plan for what they were going to do without Chase Claypool in the lineup. So I like George Pickens' game. I liked how he seemed to evolve a little bit in the game in Week 10. He's on the winner's list. The next winner, TJ Watt. TJ, of course, Trent Jordan Watt. Four tackles, two solo, and one quarterback hit. No, he didn't have a sack. No, he didn't have a forced fumble or a fumble recovery. No, he didn't have an interception. But you know what he did? He brought an energy to that stadium that just wasn't there. 
It wasn't there. And it was the same energy like when Kenny Pickett took over. Everyone was excited, and that's kind of subsided naturally. But when T.J. Watt came back at home, they announced him last. He's feeling like he's on cloud nine. He goes out there. He's making plays. He didn't play a whole lot. They spelled him a good bit. I mean, I think he was – it kind of felt like he was on for a series – off for a series, on for a series, off. And that's fine. Work his way back in so that he's comfortable. Uh, it, it just, it's amazing to me. It is amazing to me. It's also infuriating how this team is like a one-man show on defense when T.J. Watt's in the lineup and then when T.J. Watt's not in the lineup. I hate that there's the discrepancy between the two, but you get him back, you enjoy it, you realize how good he is, T.J. Watt's a winner, even though the stat line might not say so. Next winner is the takeaway defense. The Steelers have two takeaways. They have the two interceptions, one by Wallace, one by KZ. And then I also add in the turnover on downs where they stopped Andy Dalton short on the fourth and one. That's what this defense needs to be. They need to be opportunistic. They need to help the offense out. They need to give them extra possessions. They did that, and it was a huge reason for the win. That KZ interception turned into a a touchdown. That's what this defense is going to have to do moving forward if they want to continue to win football games. I mentioned this earlier, but the next winner is the rush defense. I I still can't believe it. They held the Saints to 29 yards rushing, and that's everyone, not just Alvin Kamara. That's everyone, 29 yards rushing. Kamara had 26, Jordan Howard, one, Andy Dalton, one, Taysom Hill, one. That's it. That's a that's a damn good job. That's, that's exactly what that is. The defense should be proud of their efforts in that regard. Hey, third down offense. Hey, Dave Schofield, Jeff, don't your 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 goal is too lofty of fifty percent. No, they did it. Nine for seventeen on third down. Good for you, third down offense. You got over fifty percent, and that's why those drives kept going. That's why the defense was fresh. That's why Mike Tomlin didn't have to put Miles Jack in. And that also ties into the next winner, the third down defense. The stat for this is incredible. They held the Saints to three for 12 in third downs. Three for 12. Did a fantastic job on those weighty downs. It's what they need to do to win, and they did a great job of that. And the last winner, the 12th winner, I feel like I've been going on forever. Time of possession. Steelers dominate the time of possession. 38 minutes, 56 seconds to the Steelers. 21 minutes and 4 seconds to the Saints. 38 minutes, almost 39 minutes to 21 minutes for New Orleans. Incredible. That's how you win. That's a recipe, folks. You control the clock. That was like a Cowher-esque fourth quarter. They're just going to run it out. Just going to ice the clock. So let's go through these winners again because it's fun. The running backs, Alex Highsmith, Kenny Pickett, DeMonte KZ, The big play offense, George Pickens, TJ Watt, the takeaway defense, the run defense, third down offense, third down defense, and time of possession. That felt good. But you know what? Not everything was good. Not everything was good. There were three losers here. Three losers that I have on my list. You know where I'm going first, right? I mean, it's Matthew Wright. He's a new kicker. I get it. He's... Kind of gets a pass because you just don't know what he can and cannot do. But Matthew Wright is on the losers list. You just can't miss those field goals. You you just can't. You cannot miss those field goals. That is, uh, that, that was so frustrating. Because now, in my opinion, what this does is it creates doubt. 
maybe in Mike Tomlin's mind, maybe he thinks twice about whether or not he is going to put Matthew Wright out there to kick a 48-yard field goal in a, in a crucial moment. You just don't want that. But that's what happened. And they get, they're going to have to keep him. Can't cut him because they signed him off a practice squad. I think he has to stay on the roster for an, a certain number of time. I'll have to double-check on that. But still, like, this is their guy. But I, I don't know what the deal was, but those two kicks that he missed were, were bad. It was bad. He's on the losers list because of it. The next loser is the red zone offense. The red zone offense, for as great as the third down offense was, the red zone offense was equally as bad. Two for five. Two for five. Five trips in the red zone, which is fantastic. But only two scores in that time. It's just, it's just not good enough. I don't know what the... Someone on Twitter, again, mentioned messaged me and said, hey, do you think this is a picket thing or a Canada thing? And I said, honestly, I think it's a both. I think it's both. Canada's trying to scheme up plays that are going to work. He's scheming up plays he thinks that will help the quarterback. I can only imagine how small those windows are at the NFL level when the the game is so fast and you're trying to figure things out in, a, in the blink of an eye. And the field is so, you know, like I said, the, the, the windows have to be just tiny. And when you get guys like Ben Roethlisberger who have done it for years, they know where the windows are and they know where to anticipate you know, Kenny Pickett has a lot to learn in this regard. And Matt Canada's play calling also left a lot to be desired in the red zone. You see him get cute with the Kenny Pickett motions out to the side, and they go wildcat with Najee Harris. Uh, they'll, they'll, they did some jet sweeps down there. Sometimes you just wish they would be more conventional at times. I'm okay with creativity if it makes sense. Sometimes they don't make sense. So who's who's at fault? I think it's both. I think it's both right now. They have to fix that red zone offense. If they could do that and start putting touchdowns up instead of field goal attempts, well, that'll go a long way. The last loser, and although it's a loser, it is still kind of funny because of some of the memes that are going on with it. The Acroshore Stadium turf is a loser. It's not just the pigeons, okay? The pigeons are hysterical, and it looks awful. But when you see these players playing, it just you feel like they're – they're playing on a field that's worse than some high school fields. And I'm watching this game, and my wife comes in, and she's in and out of the room, and she sits down, and she goes, what's up with the field? I said, doesn't it look bad? I said, "This it looks awful. I mean, it looks absolutely atrocious. She said, yeah, it doesn't look like an NFL field. And that's exactly the best way to put it. It does not look like an NFL field. It looks like some field in a municipal stadium where they use it for everything under the sun. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the heck are they calling this an NFL field? And this, these are the best athletes in the world that are getting paid millions of dollars to go out there and play on that dump of a field? I don't want turf. I want to make that very clear. I don't want turf. I played on turf. I played on grass. Coached on both. I would prefer grass surface over anything. But you know what? The, the, the thing is, is they got to get it right. Whether it's saying, look, we're not going to have the high school playoffs at, at the stadium anymore, so be it. Or maybe the NFL and, and the college football could, or the college football, I think their schedules are already set for like the next few years, decades maybe. Maybe they can figure a way to not have these teams playing all the time right back to back. It just doesn't make sense. They have to figure something out. That is, that's an abomination what you see out there. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of FedEx Field. Someone that lives in Maryland, you see a lot of Washington games. We used to always laugh at how bad the field is. That's it. That's what it looks like. 
That's what Acroshore Stadium looks like. It looks like that about that crap field in, down in Ashburn, Virginia, wherever it is. Uh, it's not even in D.C. It's in Virginia. But it looks like FedEx Field, that dump of a field. Fix it. Fix it. It looks awful, and that's a loser. So the three losers were Matthew Wright, the Red Zone offense, and the Acroshore Stadium turf. All right, this was a fun episode. This was a fun episode. I hope you got something good out of it. I did. Very therapeutic, even though the Steelers win. I want you to enjoy the wins. Enjoy the wins out there, fans. Don't take them for granted. Don't just say, ho-hum, they beat the Saints. No, they finally win a game. It was, it, it's been a while since they've played a team with a losing record, and they did what they were supposed to do at home coming off a bye. We'll see how they do in Week 11. But for today, enjoy the win. All right. Make sure on Tuesday you are looking out for that tweet for the mailbag segment. I'll put it out in the morning. I'll retweet it in the afternoon. I will record that. I always record that on Tuesday afternoon, evening. Get your tweets in. Only respond to that tweet. The mailbag segment is always a good time. Make sure you're checking out all of our podcasts. You know how we finish it up here, folks. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your week. Have a great victory Monday. We'll see you on Wednesday. Go see you.